This is Marathon Training Academy, episode 378. This podcast is brought to you by Tribit, makers of MoveBuds H1 wireless sport earbuds. The MoveBuds H1 are waterproof, sweatproof, comfortable, and they fit securely. And check it out, they get up to 65 hours of playback, so your music won't end before your long run does. Go to Tribit, that's T-R-I-B-I-T, Tribit.com. Use the code MTA at checkout to get 10% off. That's Tribit.com. Use the code MTA to get 10% off the MoveBuds H1. This podcast is brought to you by UCAN. UCAN's patented ingredient, Super Starch, has the remarkable ability to provide a steady release of energy without spiking your blood sugar levels. This helps you focus through long days, last longer in training, and keep hunger in check without compromising your health. Fuel your next personal best with UCAN and save 20% on your order with the code MTA. Just go to UCAN.co and use the promo code MTA to save 20% on your order. <laughs> Welcome to the MTA Podcast, where we empower you to go the distance. I'm Trevor. And I'm Angie. In this episode, we bring you a marathon success story with Academy member DeLorean Ostrom, who is running a marathon every month in 2022. Not too long ago, he suffered through his first marathon, sitting down on the curb and finishing over six hours. Hear how he's doing today and what led him on this journey. And don't forget, inside the Academy, you can get all of our training plans, back podcast episodes, courses, and more. Find out how to become a member when you visit MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. So Angie, you did an 18-mile long run yesterday. How did that go? <laughs> well, it was snowing or sleeting the whole time, so it was not very pleasant. Let me just leave it at that. <laughs> I want to hear the full story. Well, let's circle back to this at the end of the podcast episode. So everyone stay tuned. We're going to debrief Angie on how she got through her snowy 18-miler. All right, so right off the top, we want to make a couple quick shout-outs before we play our interview today. And this comes from David. He says, I did my first and only 50K. I ran the way too cool 50K in cool California just outside of Sacramento. So wait, wait. There is a cool California? <laughs> you didn't know that being from California, huh? No. Everyone from California is cool. <laughs> David goes on to say, it was a gorgeous course, but the most difficult course I've ever run. 4,800 feet of elevation gain. Several sections are strenuous and difficult, even if you hike them. They have angels and demons in the pearly gates at mile 30. Wow. <laughs> My goal was to go sub seven hours, and I beat it by almost an hour and a half, and I felt okay at the end. The LA Marathon is coming up soon. And this note comes from Suzanne, who is a coaching client. She says, I had a great race at the Coast Guard Half Marathon in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. The course was flat, the people were nice, and I had family cheering me to a PR by over three minutes. Thanks to MTA Coach Lynn for all your help. Awesome. Well, congrats on the PR. Always nice. That's right. Speaking of PRs, we're going to jump into our conversation with Academy member and uh, coaching client DeLorean Ostrom, who's got quite a story. He just ran a PR at the Snickers Marathon in Georgia, and this was only six days after a February marathon. He's doing one every month, and he's working with Coach Henry on our team, who incidentally used to be a client of Angie's before he became a coach. So maybe in an indirect way, you're like coaching DeLorean. He is my my grandchild in the coaching world. <laughs> I don't think it works like that, but. <laughs> so DeLorean is uh, running 12 marathons in 12 months to raise money for a cancer foundation. Angie, what is the, the name of this type of cancer? I, I'll let you try to pronounce it. It's cholangiocarcinoma. 
it's actually a highly lethal and rare bile duct cancer of the liver that often has a poor prognosis. There are only about 10,000 cases a year that are diagnosed in the United States, but it is the second most common primary liver cancer in the world. His wife, Mandy's cancer was caught at stage three, and as you'll hear in the interview, she had to have chemo while pregnant. So quite the difficult thing to go through. So it's Cholangiocarcinoma Foundation, also known as CCF. That's right. So we're going to talk to DeLorean about his journey, um, how he got into running, his goal of running a marathon every month this year, and how his training went for the last few he's done, as well as um, how they've been able to just cope with this and deal with this as a family. Quick word from Coach Henry. I mentioned to him that we were going to be speaking with DeLorean. He says, it's been an honor to be his coach. He has a full plate of commitments related to family, work, and so forth. But his commitment to training is inspiring. Henry says, just this past week, he knocked out his four-mile run, pushing his kids in a stroller. In his training log, he wrote, that was the only way I can get my run in today. Henry goes on, DeLorean doesn't make excuses. He finds a way to be consistent. And that is exactly why he has three marathon PRs in three months, including a nearly eight-minute one, just six days after his previous marathon. He has such a bright future in running, and he's only just getting started. Awesome. Nice thing to hear from Coach, right? That's right. All right, so here's our conversation with DeLorean Ostrom. Well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. Now that I'm well on my way, well on my way, well on my way, well on my way. All right, we're on the podcast now with DeLorean Ostrom. Joining us from the state of Georgia, DeLorean is working with Coach Henry on quite, quite a big goal, running a marathon every month this year. DeLorean, welcome to the MTA podcast. How many people ask you if you own a DeLorean? Um, more than I would like to admit, and I get a ton of Back to the Future jokes. And then I have to bring it up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had to go there, right? <laughs> yeah, it was worse when I waited tables. When I waited tables, I would get it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you do for a living now? Um, I'm a chef. I cater a private school daily is my um, day job. And then I have a meal prep company and a uh, food truck. Wow. Sounds like you've got a lot going. <laughs> yeah. So that's cool. So is a food truck just kind of like for weekends and events? Um, I, I do it as much as I can. I do a lot of breweries and then um, events throughout the year. Yeah. What's the name of the food truck and what do you guys serve? Southern Grace. Um, we serve my spin on Southern food. Sounds delicious. <laughs> that sounds like a food truck that I would get sucked into. <laughs> Especially if it was parked at a brewery. <laughs> yep, yep. So I've always wondered, we'll get to the running in a second, but I've always wondered, like, do you have like a real passion for it? Because I'm sure it's like a high stress, high pressure job, right? Yeah, yeah. I was about 15 years old and I, my parents had this crazy idea to move on top of a mountain. And on top of that mountain, there was nothing except for a lodge across the street. And I went across the street and was like, hey, can I bust table with you guys? And I was busting tables for a couple months and realized the cooks were having a lot more fun. So I started cooking and I've never looked back. Huh. Awesome. And tell us about your family. We know you have a beautiful wife and two daughters. Tell us um, how you guys met and a little bit about your family. Um, so me and my wife met on Match.com. Um, I was a chef at a restaurant and I worked all day every day. Um, she was a physician's assistant so she, and an urgent care and she worked all day every day. So we really didn't get to go out and meet people. So we both got on and ended up messaging each other and we went out on our first date. She said, I talked a lot. 
but she decided that, <laughs> hey, I'll I'll go on another date with this guy. And I got home that night and I deleted Match.com. You're like, this is it for that me. Was it. This is it. I'm like, I don't need I don't need another date. This is good. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate because a lot of people meet online. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it was new to me. I mean, that was over eight years ago now. Now we have two incredible daughters, Luna and Lily. They're named after Harry Potter characters because we're nerds, and <laughs> that's that's what we love. Uh, and they are four, are almost four and almost two. Their birthdays are almost exactly two years apart. Nice. nice. <laughs> so take us back. How did you get into long distance running? What gave you the the spark, the idea to do this? Um, so running, like a lot of people, I hated. Um, I loved sports growing up, but I hated running. And when about a year into our relationship, I told my wife I wanted to run a Spartan race. I'd seen them on TV and I was really intrigued. I thought it'd be awesome. And I also told her I wanted to run the Peachtree Road Race. I lived in Georgia for almost 20 years at that point, had always heard about it, but never done it. That's a massive, massive, like what, 5K, 10K, 10K. in 10K. Atlanta, right? Yes. Okay. Um, 60,000 people plus. Wow. It's an event. <laughs> um, but when I told her that, so she started looking into things. You, you can't tell her you want to do something without her going full force into it. And next thing I know, we were signed up for a Spartan race, Peachtree Road Race. The Atlanta Track Club does a... Um, what they call it a triple peach and you can do the Peachtree road race Atlanta 10 miler and then a Thanksgiving day half and then all I know is we're signed up to run for a charity another half marathon in Sonoma and it was the Napa to Sonoma half and then things kind of took off from there I didn't really plan on running a marathon it was several years later when I ran my first one but yeah, that's basically how we got started running. And now my wife doesn't run at all. And, and I'm still running. <laughs> so how did that first marathon go? My first marathon was um, in 2018. It was in March, right around uh, St. Patrick's Day. And I thought about signing up for it. And I did near Christmas. <laughs> I had not trained. I'd oh, ran not a lot of time. No, <laughs> I'd ran like maybe three, four miles a week found a training plan online, did about six weeks maybe of training and stopped because life got in the way and I got sick and then still went out that day, tried to do it. About mile 16, I text my wife and asked her if we could get life insurance. <laughs> like, I'm not coming back from this kind of Is thing. It? Yeah. I'm like, I, you're going to find me on the side of the road, which a couple of times I was, I was sitting on the side of the road. Um, several people had to stop and ask me if I was okay. I got stopped by a cop and wow. asked like, Hey, are you, you going to make it? I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Um, and I did. And then I did not run a, another marathon until 2021. So in addition to being under trained, would you say that you were out of shape back then? 2018? Not out of shape, but I didn't have any mileage. Um, I, I, mm -hmm. I exercised, yeah. you know, I lift weights and stuff, but I did not do any cardio. Yeah. There's being in shape and then there's being in like yeah. long distance running shape, exactly. <laughs> like two different things. Yeah. <laughs> and what was your time at that first marathon? Uh, like 6.15. And what did you run just last weekend? Uh, this past weekend, I ran 4.28.58. Which was a PR, right? Yes. 
Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Let's roll it back a little bit because I know you, you talked about how you did that first marathon and then you didn't run, you know, marathons for a good while. Was that the time period where your wife was diagnosed with cancer? Um, in between there. So when I ran that first one, she was pregnant with our oldest daughter. Fast forward two years, a year and a half ish. She went in. She also has um, two autoimmune diseases, I should say. Mm. She has uh, ulcerative colitis, um, Crohn's disease, and then she also has PSC, which is primary sclerosing cholangitis. So she has a lot of scans to check and make sure everything's going okay. And on a scan, they found uh, a mass on her gallbladder, and they were like, "Hey, it's fine. You're." this age, we just need to remove your gallbladder. It's not going to be cancer. You're going to be fine. She went in October of 2019 to get it removed. And we had moved into the waiting room, myself and her mom. And there was TV screens and it had numbers that related to the patient and then colors and the colors. Her color was never changing. She was still in pre-op. I'm like, what's going on? And finally, we get a call and it's like, hey, they want you to come on back and and wait with your wife. And I'm like, okay. So me and her mom go back and she looks at me and she goes, "Um, can't do the surgery today. I'm pregnant. Wow. Uh, So (laughs) she was super early, like four, maybe five weeks. So fast forward, December, um, December 12th of 2019, she was in her second trimester. They were like, hey, it's okay. We're going to go ahead and do the surgery. Same thing, go to the back, wait with her for a little bit. They tell us we got to go up. Her color changes. Like, awesome. We're doing it. About five minutes later, maybe, um, we get a call and saying the doctor wants to see us in in another room. And I knew right then that it wasn't going to be good. And he Mm. came in he said, I do not need to send the gallbladder to pathology. I know it's cancer. I need to do the full liver resection. And that's all I can tell you right now. So, wow. So yeah, she went through that all while, while pregnant and we moved into the next phase, which was, Hey, what kind of cancer is it? And came back, told us it was cholangio. And then also that she had a, another rare subset, which was small cell and small cell is typically found in lungs, not in the gallbladder liver area. So they tried to scare us with that. And then the oncologist came in and said, Hey, I've never seen your cancer. I don't know what to do, but my first suggestion is getting an abortion. Wow, and that's pretty harsh. Yeah, um, I'm, and I look at my wife and I'm like, she came in and said, I don't know what to do. I've never seen this. I don't know what to do. So why don't we get a second opinion? Like, you just got told you had cancer. Like, let's take a second and step back and see what our options are before we make a decision that's you know, not going to ruin our lives, but it's going to change our lives more than what we've already been changed over the last three days. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what was the range of emotions that you guys were going through at that point? I mean, I'm sure there was like shock, <laughs> you know, you're thinking it's going to be a, a simple gallbladder surgery and then it was more. Yeah, um, it was definitely shock. Um, you know, I sat there and in that waiting room while my wife still had not had anything done other than be put under, essentially. I looked at her mom and that's her baby. That's her youngest daughter. And she's being told her youngest daughter has cancer. And I see her. And the first thing everybody does is you go to Google. You Google it. And if you Google cholangiocarcinoma, it does not come up with good stuff. Um, And Mm. 
I'm, I'm seeing her cry and I'm trying to be strong for her and for my wife and know that I have a 18 month old at the house and an unborn daughter that I, I don't know what's going to happen to her or my wife. And so there was, there was a lot of tears. Um, I try not to cry in front of my wife at the time. I do now a lot, <laughs> um, but I didn't want her to to worry more than what she already was. I mean, she has that medical background, so she already knew what it meant. But yeah, she. I, I just try to. I try to stay strong. Um, she allowed me to go bowling a few days after her surgery, which was awesome because that was at the time my like escape from things was going bowling. So yeah, um, a lot of different emotions, a lot that I couldn't even express in words. Yeah. And then what happened next? Uh, she got released from the hospital. We went home, had some recovery. She um, found uh, a fantastic organization out of New York called Hope for Two. And it is for mothers with cancer that are pregnant. And they did some research with her new oncologist. And hey, these are the chemos that are safe for you. And the oncologist was like, great, that's the chemos we were going to do. Oh, wow. <laughs> so um, it worked out. She did, I want to say it was four rounds of chemo. We ended her chemo sessions the day COVID shut down Georgia. When Georgia was finally like, okay, we've had enough. We're going to shut down. And we literally had just finished chemo. And then two or three days later, chemo caused my wife to have a stroke. Oh my goodness. Uh, mm. So we went to the hospital. I was not allowed inside, obviously. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, she can't talk. She's, she can't put a sentence together. So they allowed me in for a little bit until they could get her into a room. And then I sat outside the hospital until finally the nurses kept looking. We're in her room, the room that they got her into. And we're like, is that your husband just sitting out there on a chair talking to you? And I'm like, She's like, yeah. And so they threw a mask on me, covered me up essentially and sneaked me into the hospital essentially and like got me up to her room and was like, here, you can sit with her. Mm. So I'm like, well, thank you for letting me in. So, um, and then she got home and a couple months later, we have a, a beautiful daughter again. I, I'm a girl dad. Uh, so it was a definite crazy cancer journey on top of COVID being thrown mm. in there. Yeah, what an incredibly stressful few months that you had. I I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was it was crazy. And then I went back and had to listen to um, Phil Shin's episode with you guys because he was actually the inspiration of me getting back into running even before my wife was diagnosed. Oh wow, that's so cool. Hmm. So let's fast forward now to your wife is back from the hospital. Your your daughter's born, and then how's your wife doing now? She is good. Um, we had a reoccurrence. I want to say technically it was like July of last year. She had a what's called an ablation and they go in and the best way I can describe it is they just burn the cancer off. They nicked a bile duct went in there. <laughs> so she had a, oh. a bile buildup on her liver and they put a bag in, drained it. It didn't work. They put a stent in. Um, the stent was put in a few days, actually two days before Christmas. It was on the 23rd. The stent caused pancreatitis. So on mm. December 23rd, we went into the hospital. 
So we were in the hospital from late December 23rd until right around New Year's. So missed Christmas with our daughters, but they were with family. So they had a great time and they got two Christmases. Santa got to come twice. So for them, it was great. For us, it was not the best time. (laughs) Yeah, to put it mildly. And this was Christmas of 2020? Uh, 21. That was just a few months ago, yeah. So what gave you the idea to take on the challenge of running 12 marathons in 12 months, kind of the big thing that you've set up for yourself this year? Um, So when my wife was going through chemo, um, I reached out to the Colangio Carcinoma Foundation because they have Team CCF and they do Chicago, they do New York, um, Philadelphia. And I was like, hey, I want to run Chicago with you guys. And me and my wife talked and was like, hey, it's probably not going to be best. You're not going to be able to train. We're going to have a young daughter for 2020. So when signups came back around for 2021, I instantly was like, hey, I'm on the team. I did my fundraising. I ran Chicago in 2021. And while training for Chicago, I was like, what can I do next year? What can I, I want to not just want do one marathon? Let's let's do multiples. But what's bigger than than one? Well, one a month. So, right, um, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I reached out to um, the lady that runs Team CCF and was like, hey, I have a crazy idea. Can you guys help me with this? And that just took off from there. Awesome. All right. So you decided I'm going to run one marathon a month. The first marathon was when and where? Was supposed to be Disney. But when my wife got pancreatitis, we knew that it was not smart and safe to travel to Disney. As much as my my oldest is dead set on going to Disney, that's all she talks about. Um, she, We don't build forts at my house. We build castles. So <laughs> it was supposed to be Disney. Um, that same day that I would have ran the Disney marathon, I ran a marathon just through my town. I put a post on my neighborhood Facebook page. I was like, hey, you guys don't have to donate money if you don't want to. I understand. But if you could come out, make some stupid signs. You know, it's it's hard enough to run mm-hmm. a marathon. It's really hard to run by yourself. And that's oh, what yeah. I did. Uh, so I had some some people in the neighborhood come to the start, which was my driveway at 7 a.m. It was 20 something degrees. They've got coats <laughs> and and their coffee in hand. And I'm out there in some uh, leggings and a long sleeve shirt. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And I took off <laughs> with no theatrics and started running. My wife was my aid stations. So her and my daughters got in the car and met me mile 16 and then 20. And then at the end, my daughters were there dressed as if we were at Disney. They both had on their Rapunzel dresses. And my mm-hmm. wife had my favorite marathon sign is the worst parade ever. <laughs> I, I don't know. Every time I see that at every race, I'm like, that's the funniest sign ever. I saw one at the uh, the Berlin Marathon. And instead of worse, it said worst with the sausage. Yeah. <laughs> The, the worst parade ever. <laughs> that's, it was classic, that's awesome. classic yeah. German sign. So anyway, so that was your second marathon. That was my third total. Third. Because third, I ran Chicago, oh, Chicago in 2021. Right. Yeah. And that was right when I started working with Coach Henry. Perfect. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation thus far. Quick break to thank our new podcast sponsor, Tribit. They make the MoveBuds H1 earbuds. I know there's over 15 hours of music playback per charge, up to 50 hours if you include the charging case. 
The MoveBuds H1 are designed with superior comfort and a secure fit for bodies in motion, all while providing world-class sound with innovative true sound for music, podcasts, and more. No matter how vigorous the activity or inclement the weather, the MoveBuds H1 are waterproof and sweatproof, having a high rating of IPX8, which has been certified by SGS, the world's leading testing and inspection company. And they won't break the bank. I know you can easily drop $150 on high quality pair of earbuds only to lose them in the grass somewhere like Angie did one day (laughs) (laughs) or to have them fritz out from not being able to handle sweat (laughs) but these ones definitely won't break the bank and they're high quality if you head over to tribit.com you can actually use the code MTA and you'll get another 10% off that's tribit.com use the code MTA to get 10% off the move buds h1 We'd also like to thank the Richmond Marathon in Richmond, Virginia for sponsoring the podcast. This race takes place November 12th. I did the half last year and loved it. They do a fantastic job. The course is flat, has a nice downhill finish in this epic finish line party right on the river, craft beer, all the things I love were there. They also do an 8K. They have great finisher swag. I mean, I got a blanket. I still use it. It's right here on my couch in the office here. Yes, I do have a couch in my office. (laughs) Because I work so hard, sometimes I just have to like collapse on the couch. (laughs) Right. And 2022 marks the 45th running of the marathon. So it's a great year to take part and join the celebration. It's great for first timers and those seeking a PR. And like Trevor talked about, a nice downhill finish right at the riverfront. So none of those last minute hills. Yep. And they kicked the registration price increase uh, out further. So now you have till April 15th to register and beat the price increase. So check them out at richmondmarathon.org, richmondmarathon.org. So I know a lot of people listening are familiar now with virtual races because we all did them (laughs) in the last couple of years. So it sounds like you successfully finished your virtual marathon and kept yourself going out there by yourself and with the help of your neighbors and your wife and kids. Yeah. We're able to make a a fun day of it. And it probably made you extra appreciative of doing a real in-person race the next time your second marathon of the year rolled around. And which one did you do for um, the February one then? I did the um, Publix Atlanta Marathon um, on 27th, 28th, that last Sunday of February. And it was cold and pouring down raining. And it's a hilly course too, so it's not easy. (laughs) Yes. And that was actually my first, the marathon I ran for my first one in 2018. So it was kind of like redemption for me. I'm like, I'm going to go back and (laughs) I'm not, I'm going to finish and I'm not going to be sitting on the side of the road at any time as much as I wanted to with it being freezing. (laughs) No one's going to ask you, are you okay, sir? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and then you ran another one six days later, right? So that was your March marathon. It was like, like really back to back weekends, February and March, boom, boom. Yes. Um, it was March 5th. It was the day after my 37th birthday and it was the Snickers Albany marathon. And it was completely different because it was 75 and sunny the entire time. That's a huge contrast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So finishing that, I came around the corner to the finish line. I see the finish line and I see my wife and daughters and I stopped and handed my wife my water jug and was like, all right, come here, girls. You want to finish with me? And grabbed Aww. my 20 month old and my three year old. And I let my three year old run across the finish line with me while holding my, my youngest. And you still set a PR. Still set a PR. I, I looked at the clock and I was like, I got enough time to beat Oprah. I'm going to, I'm going to grab them. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right. So you, you ran the marathon in January, the the self-supported one. You're working with Coach Henry. 
Then you have two back-to-back marathons coming up. You were able to PR at both. Let's talk about the training. Like, how did you guys prepare for a like being rested enough and strong enough on race day, but then also to be able to hit those PRs? Um, so we're we're doing basically what he said is we're going to ramp up really quick and then do a lot of tapering. So <laughs> yeah. Smart. After the January marathon, I had I had a nice break in between there. So, you know, we, we ramped up to, I think my long run ended up being like 18 miles and then a little taper. And then the two marathons, we were doing strength training three days a week, um, core about the same. So it's been, it's been fun training, even though at one point after that January marathon, I'm like, I'm, I've told my wife, I'm like, I feel like a burden sometimes. Cause I'm like, you're dealing with girls all day. I'm going to work. I, I work a lot. I have three jobs, so I work a lot. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. throwing the, the training in on top of it, I'm like, I feel like I'm putting too much on her. It was also the reason I stopped mm. playing sports when I was younger. I didn't want to be a burden to my parents to make them take me to, to practices and stuff like that. So that's a me problem uh, that I have to work through. But I, I've at least really enjoyed the training and told Coach Henry that I am looking forward to next year because we got to find something more epic to do next year for the foundation. <laughs> Nice. Maybe an ultra marathon, huh? <laughs> Coach Henry's big on those. He's he's good at training his clients to run ultras. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife said I cannot do a 100 miler because she's like, I want a husband. So. Exactly. Yeah. Like, see you never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like the hardest part for you with the training is fitting it into your, your busy life. Yeah. Um, I get up at 4 a.m. to go to work every day, Monday through Friday. Saturdays, I'm up at 2 a.m. to go make biscuits because I make biscuits every Saturday morning for a farmer's market. So getting it done in the morning is impossible. Um, so I try to fit mm. it in in between the jobs when I get done with the school or before I go to a brewery or after making deliveries of my meal prep, something like that. Henry was telling me that sometimes you, you'll take a, uh, a baby jogger take your daughter out with you (laughs) yeah um so uh, last week in between the two marathons um my wife had a doctor's appointment and i'm like this is the only way i'm going to fit it in i I, if i want to run now i have to so i grabbed the double jogger i threw both the kids in there and we went and ran and they had a blast they normally do not want to stay in the stroller at all and they were like go faster go faster i'm like hey i don't i don't think you understand this but i just ran 26 miles and i'm about to do it again let's this is as fast as daddy can go. It's supposed to be my easy run, girls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you have any other tips for people trying to, to balance everything and fit their training in? Uh, if I had a tip, I probably would do better at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy for anybody. No, um, I look at it as right now I have, I have a goal that I want to accomplish. I also look at it as my goal is to raise money for the foundation. And if I'm not running these marathons and I'm not putting it out there, then I'm not accomplishing that goal. And so I look at it as that foundation's relying on me to do this. Um, Coach Henry's relying on me, my wife, my daughters, they're all relying on me to do it. So as much as I don't want to go out and run because it was 20 degrees or because it's 75 degrees, I just need to go out and do it. You got to be careful that you don't get burnt out by it because you still got a lot of year ahead of you, right? And you got to make sure that it's still something that you're passionate about. 
Yeah, it it was nice. Yeah, the, after after this past Saturday, I and I'm like, hey, I I accomplished my goal. I'm like the whole time I've ever ran a marathon was I want to beat Oprah. I'm like I I can beat Oprah. I'm, you know, I'm much younger. I That's should like, be able to do this. For was your time four thirty? For twenty nine or eight or something? Yeah, something somewhere right there. I'm like I I, I can do this, and I, I, I joked with my wife. I'm like, if I didn't have nine marathons to go, I, I, I'm retiring. But. <laughs> So I still, your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I still have nine left. I'm like, so now it's other than raising the money and everything. Now it's okay. I want to get faster. Um, and I told my wife, I'm like, so every race since that first one, I I've gotten faster. Chicago was five forty. The January one, I was four thirty seven. February I was four thirty six. March I was four twenty eight. I'm like, can I PR thirteen marathons in a row? So now that's my goal. <laughs> wow! And you do think big. Yeah, got you. For your last marathon, you should do one of those like revel races, just like bomb downhill the whole time. Your your legs will hate you for it, but yeah, it'll be and- fast. Atlanta, my legs were hating me, but right right now, my, my plan for December marathon is to run on uh, New Year's Eve, run through the neighborhood again, and hopefully my wife has not had any hiccups this year, and she can run a mile or two with me to finish it, because ultimately, this is for her, so other families yeah. don't have to go through what we had to go through a little over two years ago now. That's what it is, and don't tell coach, but I may try to squeeze a 13th in there in December. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky number 13. <laughs> nice. So have you have you mapped out all of the races that you want to do, or are you kind of a little bit flexible playing it by ear? I'm a little flexible on a, a couple months. Um, a couple months I don't have races set up for right now. Next month I'm doing the Silos Marathon in Waco, where I hope to – meet up with Phil and a couple other cancer superstar nice. runners that I see them as um, Justin Grunewald from brave like Gabe. I'm hoping to meet mm-hmm. up with him as well. Yeah. And then may, I don't have anything set up at the moment. June I'm doing grandma's marathon because I've heard from you guys. And also my wife's family is from Minnesota. So I was like, that'd be great. July, nothing. It's hard to find marathons in Georgia in July and August. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, you want to get out of Georgia for July. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to run Chicago again with the foundation. And I'm going to run New York with the foundation as well. Well, I can tell that you have a big heart and just really care about people. And of course, want to alleviate the suffering of people who are suffering from cancers like your wife. Um, so do you have a website that you tend to send people to? Yeah. Um, so my website is racingforhope.org. It has my race schedule on there. It has journal entries, and that's my quote-unquote blog. Um, Racingforhope.org, it has where you can donate money if you would like to donate to help. Every little bit helps. It has also links to the, the foundation's website where you can read more about the cancer itself and other things that are going on in that community as well. Awesome. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. No, Thank you Definitely. guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Our 
All right. Well, big thanks to DeLorean for sharing his story with us on the MTA podcast. And that website you can go to once again is racingforhope.org. It sounds like he's got big plans because he's all these marathons he wants to do. And then he's talking about doing an ultra. And Yeah, he's definitely a go-getter. And one thing I was so impressed with is how, you know, despite his very, very busy life, he just makes time for his runs. I mean, he was talking about getting up at two in the morning and four in the morning just for his regular job. Yeah. And having to fit in runs in between his various work responsibilities. So I think, you know, that really says a lot about his dedication. Yeah, when you're doing it like that, there's definitely a lot of stuff in life that you cut back on. So we didn't really get into that. But I know for a lot of people, they just don't have a social life uh, during that time. Or some people, you know, they have to cut out like other hobbies. He probably doesn't go bowling much anymore. Right. (laughs) So yeah, we didn't really get into that. But I know just from hearing other runner stories, that's kind of the season uh, of marathon training. That's kind of what it looks like. Speaking of marathon training, Angie's going to talk about her 18 miler in the snow. So Angie, why'd you pick such a nasty day to run outside for three hours or however long it took you? I was actually asking myself the same thing about halfway through. <laughs> I, since I have a, a flexible work schedule, I tend to do my long runs on Fridays. I know a lot of people have to do them on weekends because of their work responsibilities, but I'm a little bit flexible. And I have been guilty in the past of looking at the weather forecast and trying to pick the nicest day, the best conditions to run in. Oh yeah. As we all do sometimes. Um, But unfortunately, with this week, the only time I could do it was Wednesday morning. And of course, it was the only time this week that it decided to snow and sleet for the entire morning. So it was either, you know, skip the long run or do it on the treadmill, which our youngest son recommended. And I was like, (laughs) well, buddy, I've done 16 miles on the treadmill before, and I don't really want to repeat the experience. So I think I'm going to attempt it outside. And I kind of had in the back of my mind, like, if it's really, really terrible out there, I can do part of it on the treadmill. So that was kind of my plan B. But I did manage to stick it out the whole time outside. Yeah. So tell me how to go. Well, I chose to do a relatively flat trail in our area because I'm trying to avoid doing all my long runs on the road because it tends to strain my hamstring, which I am rehabbing right now. So I had to do three out and backs of this trail. You you are now the local legend on Strava for the Latorte Trail. (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) So out and back one, you know, it was great. Six miles. Second one, you know, it's getting a little bit more boring and some of the snow is building up and there's a few bridges that go over a creek and it was starting to get slippery on the bridges. So I had to start watching my footing a little bit. So, you know, it's definitely one of those battles to keep your mind in a positive place because you can start to think like, what am I doing out here um, if you're not careful? And it's, it's okay to acknowledge those feelings like this is not fun. This is uncomfortable. But then you have to kind of redirect yourself. And so I was thinking like, we can't choose the weather on race day, whatever race you're signed up for, you don't know what it's going to do that morning until it gets fairly close. It could be snowing, raining, sleeting, it could be hot. So it is important to do some training in inclement weather, because that kind of helps build up your resilience and your ability to handle when things don't go perfectly. And one thing that really helped was sticking to my fueling plan. And I've really been loving the You Can Edge. It's their relatively new gel that they have out. They taste great. The super starch has always worked wonderfully for me, keeping my energy levels steady and not spiking my blood sugar levels. And so I use half a gel every 30 minutes. So how many do you have to carry with you? For the 18 miler, I just did two gels. I probably could have used like another half a gel towards the end. All right. So if you're sucking like half a gel... Then you put the unused gel back into your pocket and it doesn't like squish out 
during the run? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good question. I, I try to fold the top, I, you know, squeeze the rest of the gel down to the bottom of the tube and fold over the top. And I was carrying a handheld water bottle, so I stuck it in a little pocket. Oh, perfect. And tried not to squeeze it. Um, but I have had them leak before. Well, for years, they didn't have gels. They just had the uh, super starch drink mix. Now they have these awesome uh, gels called You Can Edge. Yeah, that's right. I'm planning to continue using them for the rest of training and use them for the Boston Marathon. So it's nice to have your fueling dialed in and know what works well for your body. So that's a super important thing if you're in marathon training right now is to figure out your fueling regimen. So I finished out lap two, went to my car to refill my water bottle And I had to change my gloves because that was one thing. I was feeling pretty well-dressed for the rest of my body, but my hands always get really cold. And they had been getting just numb in these gloves, even though I'd been like balling them into fists, you know, (laughs) to try to warm them back up. But they had just gotten wet because the snow was so wet. So I changed my gloves out, went back out for another lap, um, and then like started having a spasm in my left glute and hamstring. So I'm like, oh man, not now, you know, <laughs> never a good time for that. But so I, then I stopped and had to stretch out my glutes and hamstrings a little bit, like did some deep squats and then it seemed to, to release and I was able to finish the final out and back. Um, and I was trying to enjoy the scenery. There's you know, nothing's in bloom right now, but there's trees and there's a little creek that goes through there. There's a lot of geese that have come to our area and a lot of ducks. And so I enjoy being out in nature and there really wasn't many people out on this trail. So I didn't have to worry about traffic. So there was, you know, a lot of positive things about it. But I will say when I when I finally saw the car after I was done, I was very happy to climb inside a warm car, turn the heat on, the seat heater, <laughs> finally feel my fingers again <laughs> well i guess it goes to show that running is an all-weather sport so invest in the right gear are you saying i need to get some better gloves you probably do I more guess. expensive ones than the little <laughs> yeah. ones that we got from a freebie race gloves <laughs> <laughs> the gloves we have are so cheap they're like throwaway gloves <laughs> it's like the only time i think about it is when i'm out on a run freezing my fingers off though <laughs> and now All right. So thanks, Angie, for inspiring us to do hard things. I probably still would have opted for the treadmill that day. (laughs) That's also a special kind of of hard thing. That's true. That's true. I was was considering the snow to be less hard than the treadmill. So props to everyone who have done long runs on the treadmill through the winter because that is no joke. Yeah. Talk about mental toughness. (laughs) That's right. And if you want to give UCAN a try, they've been just longtime faithful sponsors of ours. And just go to UCAN.co forward slash MTA. You can check out the UCAN Edge, their energy bars, super starch. Use the code MTA at checkout. You'll get 20% off. UCAN.co forward slash MTA. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you for being a listener. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Marathon Academy. We'd love to get you connected with an awesome running coach if you'd like extra help and accountability in your training. You can find out about our coaching services over at marathontrainingacademy.com forward slash coaching. You guys are awesome. Keep taking action in your goals. Remember, you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.